This is Everyday Driver, where we know cars are expensive, but necessary, and have to do a world of things. But we also believe they should be fun. Whatever you need and can afford, we're here to help you find the right car. We're your car friends, your car therapist, and sometimes the bad influence you need. I'm Todd. I'm Paul. And this is The Car Debate. Hello, everybody. Happy Friday. Welcome to June. I can't believe it's June already. The that snow's all nuts. melted. The snow is finally melted. You're right. Actually, some of it is, is still up there. Actually, there, there, all of our good roads, <laughs> believe it or not, in June are still closed. We may actually, for those of you coming on the Utah Meetup, have to reroute day one a little bit because there's so much snow in our actual Park City area that one of our roads, I know, isn't passable. We're still going to find some fun on day one. But that's going on. But speaking of other things going on, I am actually auctioning off the Z car. At this it's point, it should uh, almost be done. This right? is If you're listening to this on Friday, June 2nd of 2023, the auction ends this evening on Discord. It will end uh, late tonight. And uh, people are in, which is cool. So it's going to go to a new home. Look, if you have not seen the video that Todd produced, it's on our original YouTube channel that he recapped everything about mm-hmm. that car ownership. And it made me happy and sad all at the same time. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. as we have talked about you don't have to dislike a car to move on from it. Sure. Yeah. And I'm glad it came back into your life yes. and you had the experiences yes. that you talked about in the mm-hmm. video, but I'm also sad too because it means so much. And I understand yeah. Yeah. the emotional attachment to cars like anybody does. Yeah. I, it's it's deeply ingrained in me, but I like that you're acknowledging it, but moving on too, but still sad and happy. Agreed. And there's and there's, there's a little behind the scenes thing in that video. I had, actually hadn't told you this yet. A little behind the scenes thing that I was aware of in the moment. And I ended up making a post-production decision and I to, to remind me, okay? Because okay. my son is sitting next to me when yeah, I recorded I mean, that You piece, can see his arm. Okay? In, I left his arm in on purpose. Just a little bit of his arm in on purpose to remind me. I thought about actually trying to remove it. And I thought, you know, I'm going to leave it there because it reminded me of a moment that happened when I'm actually doing the closing thoughts of the piece. Mm-hmm. And I'm talking about the experiences that I had. It dawned on me while I was having that conversation to camera that my son was sitting beside me. And the first time I drove the car, my son was sitting beside me. Oh, my gosh. And so I, I connected those dots on camera. I talked about, you know, my first experience with the car was with him driving it and, you know, all the stuff we'd done together. <sighs> That's so cool. And I was aware that he was literally sitting there in the passenger seat you can watching see him. me. He's, you know, he's watching me while I say it, though. Yeah, yeah. So I thought, all right, I need to, I need to verbalize this with him sitting there. And then I got into post and thought... You know, I could try to make it so you can't see his elbow. And then I was like, you know what? I'm going to leave that there. I'm going to leave that there. It's just kind of a little watermark that he was watching me at the time, which is really cool. He's also grown so, just a little bit too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the, the photo that you see of when I got it two years ago, I looked at that photo and was like, wow, he's he's hit that, that early teenage years where he's just exploding. Back when you and I were growing up, we didn't have as many cameras turned on and focused at everything as we do now. <laughs> I mean, cameras are pointed at everything in yes. all of our lives. Yes. Cameras are just turned on. <laughs> I, I'm sorry. I'm going to I'm going to plagiarize the Jim Gaffigan joke, which is one of my very favorites about parenting, where he says, "I have more pictures of my kids than times my dad looked at me," <laughs> which is a phenomenal joke exactly. because he's right. This is the reality of just having a phone and going like, "Oh, that's cute. Oh, well, that's cute. Oh, that, that's a good looking dinner." I mean, the amount of photos that we take now. Whenever I go into my that's photo insane. roll of my phone, I'm like, "I really ought to clean this out. This is ridiculous." <laughs> but anyway, but it was really nice. For me, I, I didn't expect it, but it was really nice for me to actually have him with me when I was shooting the last piece on that car because that's when I shot the first piece. So it's a really good bookend in that regard. It's headed to somebody as a new owner. I don't know exactly who yet, but people are in play, which is really cool. And uh, and, I, and look, I will admit, we've been talking about this Z car sale for a while. 
the dates kind of snuck up on all of us. So <laughs> here we are. It's happening. The car's headed out. So that is news. Uh, there will be more fun road trips coming up. You and I were just talking about our road trips uh, this year, which I'm incredibly excited about. It's going to be awesome. Those are coming up with the C8 and the Lotus. And I was just in the Lotus on my way over here. I know you were. you laugh at me every time I say it because it it's, keeps happening. It's just so funny. Five, six years in, I get to the end of my driveway and I'm like, this car is so cool. <laughs> you walk in the door and just chirpy, chirp, yep, chirp. I'm super excited about it. It's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> well, good news, everyone. Porsche has updated their logo, their crest, the Porsche crest. Did you know that Porsche also has a prancing horse, just like Ferrari yes. on their crest? It's not just Ferrari. Yes. Porsche also has the prancing horse. It's right in the middle of the logo. But what they have done is put honeycomb behind the red bars and cleaned everything up so it's brushed metal now. So actually the textures have kind of just changed places. They've swapped, exactly. In the places on the logo, which I was fine with the old one. The new one looks fresh and fine too. I Here's but the thing. There's Stuttgart reads on the new one. It does See read. Stuttgart does read. right there in the middle. It, it, it's one of those things and you can look it up and there's a few places online where you can see it. You need to look up the progression. Because the progression is, it's one of those very subtle things. It's like the Coca-Cola logo. You think the Coke logo has always been the same. No, it hasn't. It, like tiny little tweaks sure. happen yeah, over yeah. time. It's yeah. that kind of slight refinements going on. But I actually think this one is my favorite. I, I do, I've always thought that the honeycomb texture where it's been has been a little weird on some of the... On some of the it's a uh, little strange. On, on some, of, some of the ways that it gets molded. It sometimes looks a little odd. This one looks really nicely modernized while still being the Porsche logo. Even, <laughs> you're probably just going to look it up and be like, oh, that's what they changed because it's, it's hard to tell. It's it's tough to tell. It's not yeah. behind the antlers anymore. Behind the antlers is smooth. Uh-huh. And now on the, yes. uh, on the red bars that have changed over time, they used to be orange way back in the day. And uh, you could see that on our 50 years in the 911 piece. So... So, so now, you now you're up to speed on the very latest Porsche logo. <laughs> we'll sign off now because that's really, that's, you know, all that's all we were worried about. That matters. Yeah, huh? I hope the badge that it, they're attached to on all future Porsches. I mean, I'm, I'm excited for the future for Porsche. It's, At, uh, all it's cars. Gonna, Let's hope that awesome. there's other people yes. that are fighting for really good to drive cars. Porsche Agreed. trying to maintain uh, internal combustion cars with synthetic gasoline. I mean, there's so many crazy things going on. They are on walking right a knife's now. edge I, for all curious. categories. Yeah, they are. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. It's car wash season. Always wash your car in a cool, shady spot and use Griot's Garage Brilliant Finish Foaming Sprayer with Snow Foam. Griot's has also just introduced the cordless foaming sprayer as well. You can create a high foam blizzard with little to no work and avoid wash-induced scratches. These are the safest ways to wash your ride. If you need to get the bugs off the front of your car, try the bug and smudge remover right before you wash. There's also tar and sap remover if you parked under a tree. Griot's offers wash and detail kits, which make it easy to get the right products all together. Whether you need a starter car care kit, or you're breaking out the foam cannon, or you're detailing your interior, Griot's has the right kit for you. Griot's garage products are 100% guaranteed and all liquids are made in the USA. When you're ordering at griotsgarage.com, use the code EDRIVER for 15% off liquids and 10% off everything else on your order. That's G-R-I-O-T-S. Enjoy the finest quality car care products you can buy at griotsgarage.com. Our first debate comes from Garrett R. in Missouri, who needs a cool family car. Well, we all need cool family cars. Ideally, yes. Uh-huh. 
Well, currently he and his wife are searching for a fun replacement to their 2006 Honda Pilot. They're both car people, and they both enjoy driving. Their dream garage is a Cayman GT4 RS for Garrett Mm. and a C7 Corvette Z06 for his wife. Wow. That is... That's quite a tasty that's garage. That's a fantastic two-car garage, by the way. Yeah. Where do the kids go? Where, where's the family going to go? They'll, We're not sure. Well, you know what? The grandparents can pick them up. That's how that goes. That's yeah. a great idea. They, they, yes. They'll come by in the minivan and solve that problem. Mom and dad are taking their cars. <laughs> well... They were initially thinking about an off-roader, like a Bronco or a Forerunner, so uh-huh. they can do overlanding. Yeah. But after listening to our advice, they began thinking about how often they would actually do overlanding. Look at you. Very good. They do a lot of gravel and fire roads, very rarely some mild off-road conditions, but nothing extreme. Okay. I'm glad you ran it through that filter, Garrett. That's because great. Because it's so easy to look at a Bronco and think, I could change my life. Yes. I'm going to buy new maps. I'm going to find all the trails <laughs> and the off-road stuff that I've never been on before. And then you buy it and then you you just didn't get around to it because that yeah. isn't your life. Maybe it is. And, and I'm not saying in all cases. No, of course but not. But it's so easy to have that perception. When I bought that Audi Avant wagon, I just thought, I'm going to get into stand-up paddleboarding. I can carry it on the roof of my car. Never did. Never did. Never did. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I like stand-up paddleboarding. This is, it's enjoyable. Honestly, this is the first time I've ever heard that that wagon was connected to stand-up paddleboarding. Was, I had no idea. That I was, was even on your so mind. Like, That's so funny. Because I had just gone to Hawaii for the first time yeah, yeah. 10 years ago uh-huh. with my family and yeah, just yeah. thought, I love stand-up paddleboarding. I should do stand-up paddleboarding more because it's so awesome. It was awesome in Hawaii <laughs> yeah, sure. on vacation sure. in the lagoon yeah. on Waikiki Beach. Well done, yes. That's where it was really awesome. Yeah. And then home, like, ah, I just have so much going on, too much to do. So I do get it. <laughs> I live in Los Angeles. I'm, I'm an hour from the, from the water. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And then it's, you know, giant waves and the surfers. This is their territory and the whole deal. <laughs> <laughs> About six months ago. Garrett and his wife bought a manual 2000, year 2000 Boxster S. They've both learned to drive manual transmission in. That's great, guys. That's awesome. Each of them has fallen in love with having a good handling car, which makes the Pilot start to feel like a bus. Uh Well, it would. Comparatively, Honda Pilot, and and this is not, I'm not disparaging the Pilot. It's literally the Pilot next to the the Boxster. Yes, that's a bus. This is how this car disease works. Due to this, they have moved to looking at all-wheel drive wagons and hatchbacks. Okay. They want something with good cargo space because they do a lot of road trips, like 1,000 to 1,500 miles per month on top of their daily driving. Okay, cool. And they're starting a family. Okay. It's like, also, I thought of that uh, Jim Caffigan quote, you know what it's like having five kids? It's like you're drowning and someone hands you a baby. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Jared, you have that to look forward to. (laughs) Yay! Yeah. Uh So they also want something all-wheel drive since they get ice during the winters in central Missouri. But it's not going to be their main car because they've okay. got the GT4 RS and the CO... Wait. No, they don't. They don't. <laughs> no, they, they're they hoping for it, but yeah. <laughs> CO7, Z06, C7, Z06. Yes. It needs to be reasonable to maintain, whatever they get. But Garrett's not afraid to do the smaller maintenance items because he enjoys working on cars and does almost all the work on their Boxster. Okay, good. Extra credit for you. Yes. Sadly, with the current time constraints, as a PhD student, he only has time to keep up with one car. See, speaking of speaking of extra credit, stand, stand up paddleboarding, and then I got home and I was like, you know, I'm never gonna. <laughs> just not. I am currently trying to get my PhD. Maybe working on more than one car is a bridge too far. That's that's good thinking. I like it. With a budget of thirty to forty thousand dollars, the current short list includes the Volvo V90, like standard okay. and cross country okay. in T6 trim levels. That's right. good. Those are very cool. GR Corolla is on the list. Interesting. All right. I like that it's on the list. We can't entertain that. I mean, maybe we can because you know you can get in line now and you'll have it by the time the kids graduate from high school. <laughs> Hopefully not. But yes, <laughs> you know what I mean, though. 
Audi All-Road, and the Buick Regal Tour X. Okay. They've also considered other Porsche options. I love that it's infected. You, you get that yes. boxer. It doesn't matter where you're. It's just, it's Did in you your hear blood. about the new logo up front? Are you excited about the new logo? Has Who it changed your life? Who isn't excited about the new logo, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. So they've considered Macans and Panamera 4s and 4Ss, as well as BMW options, including the 535i and 328 wagons with the X-Drive, of course. But Garrett has reservations about these based on maintenance costs. Yeah. In regards to the BMWs and age, and it turns out his wife wants a Porsche Macan. So <laughs> Big surprise. Why yeah, are okay. we still looking at BMWs? Uh-huh. And what a great sentence. The more powerful, the better. <laughs> okay. Yes. All right. Okay. And they would prefer something newer than their pilot. They have a lot of car history between the two of them. Uh-huh. Ooh, Dodge Durango's on this list. Oh, yep. the Boxer S. Yep. 1986 Mazda 626. I remember those. Huh. Ford F-150s. They've got a good uh, cross-section in 1972 here. 1972 Buick LeSabre. Ooh. The uh, Chevy Cavalier, the Z- Z24 Chevy Cavalier. I mean, that. you remember the Z24? Remember that? Z24, that's yeah. right. Yeah, it was like the extra spicy. They were they were cool for a minute. They really were. I remember seeing them. Compact. Yeah. Like, oh, that's kind of cool. All right, not the Z twenty eight, Z twenty four, Z twenty four. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, like you couldn't pop for the Z twenty eight. The Z twenty eight, but I got the Z twenty four, buddy, because it's it's GM <laughs> where they put random Z's on things. They still do. I am so confused <laughs> by the still... Z in nomenclature because there's a Z on every single model out there, and I don't know what any of them mean. There's a Z on the steering wheel of the Corvette. But that at least connects to Zora. It Dun-tun. does. That it, that at least <laughs> they're Z obsessed. There are so many Z's. The, port, the the GM nomenclature, I, I literally, every time I try to learn it, I'm like, yeah, that makes my head hurt. <laughs> well, I love all your considerations. And if Porsches are on the list, Garrett, why aren't Cayennes on your list too? Oh, okay. Yeah. They are not a hot hatch. They're not a small wagon. Yeah. But Porsche has figured out how to make a an SUV handle really well. And it's fun to drive. And it does all those things you want it to. And you can stuff family into it. Yes, you can. Yes, if you get beyond the first gen, it actually has, I mean, I know this having a first gen and a second gen, the second gen has significantly more backseat room and has actually got good backseat room for adults. So uh, it does does work. I, I, I have to at least chime in for sure. The Kia Telluride X-Pro crossed my mind for the reason that we had it in our fleet recently, our yes, weekly we press car fleet. And the X-Pro package is now available on that Telluride. The X-Line is actually just bigger wheels and tires with a lift. The X-Pro has the knobby off-road wheels and tires. Yeah, yeah. It's more suited to the kind of off-road, fire road, gravel, like drive to the, the pit, the fire pit. And we got there and it was like 300 <laughs> yards off the highway, kind of, dry, you know. Yeah, sure. We got there. Oh, I can still see the highway. Eh, all right, we're here. Yeah, exactly. So it's that kind of off-roading, but it was actually really great. I, I did enjoy that. It's not the full rock crawling thing, but just as a consideration, but that also is a larger SUV. That holds all the family, actually. Yes, it does, yes. The family that they don't have yet. I mean, that's the other thing. Exactly. About They're starting a family. They don't currently have a family. I mean, this is the thing my wife and I did. We were like, we're about to have a kid. We need a seven-seater. And then we have a, had a kid, and we're like, <laughs> why do we have a seven-seater again? Why do we have this? Anyway, yeah. Grandparents, right? Yeah, for sure. The Toyota RAV4 Prime is also on my list because of its economy. That's good. Because it's got that right balance. Now, they're a little bit more, but if you find one slightly used, I think it will be well within your budget. It'll be at the high end of the the high 30s, way up there. But I I think the Prime is the sweet spot for the RAV4. It's the fully loaded. It Mm. it really does get great gas mileage. It does, yeah. And it's moderately fun to drive. But then I switched to Utes. 
Oh, look at you. Santa Cruz, baby. Hyundai okay, Santa sure, Cruz. I sure. think you need to take a look at this, even though the bed is, it's not a full pickup truck bed and it's, it's not, not as useful as the longer Maverick or a longer mm-hmm. full size. Yeah, yeah. It's not even as useful as the Ridgeline, but still it has its place. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering as mm-hmm. you're getting into starting a family and you're still, you've still got the, the off-road capability mm, okay. like you sure, suggested. Sure, sure, yeah. But it's actually pretty fun to drive, more so than any of these others. Short of the Cayenne, yeah, I yeah. think it's actually kind of fun to drive. Make sure you get the turbo version because that's the one that costs more and it's actually yeah, that's the, the one you better want. one. It is the one you want, yeah. But still, yeah. what about the Santa Cruz? I didn't expect that. That's good. I didn't I didn't think of it either because I, w- I was thinking low. And I love all your wagon suggestions mm-hmm. and I love Panameras and the low wagons. Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, this is not Europe where all the cool RS4s exist. True. yeah. But still, and I, I like your suggestions, but have you driven a Santa Cruz? Have you even looked or considered that? Because it's kind of got that, hey, different lifestyle thing you alluded to, mm-hmm. but it's still going to be great on road. It's got a 10-inch longer it's wheelbase. It's surprisingly good to drive. It really and is. And it's actually, yeah. you turn and you think, well, this is kind of more fun than it deserves to be. Yeah, for sure. Well, that's cool. And then you well kind of go hunting and like, this is, it's holding up. Okay. Watch, watch our original Santa Cruz versus Maverick piece that we did uh, in middle of Utah. And it's actually a really, really cool comparo. And we talk a lot about the dynamics of the Santa Cruz. It's surprisingly good. I didn't expect that, Paul. It's really good. Yeah. I couldn't believe it. I thought Santa Cruz, what yeah. about a Santa I mean, okay. it's not the low slung. I wish Julia made a wagon. Yeah. If, if oh, the yeah, Alpha yeah. Julia came in a wagon, like done. We're good. Done. Yeah, I hear that. That's great. Garrett, I really thought about this a lot because what I find interesting here is your realization that you don't really need much off-roading. That's one realization that was big here. And the other one is the fact that you're in love with that Boxster. (laughs) So I just thought, that's two big things. The third thing that really struck me is the fact that you're starting a family soon. Okay? So let's just best case scenario this right now. From the day you hear this podcast, you are nine months away from needing a third seat. (laughs) I don't want you to buy too big a car now. You guys still have the ability to buy small-ish cars. You don't have to buy the thing that you have to have for the next 10 years. And a lot of us, we, 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 we do shop that way. We all kind of shop that way. We buy for the car we think we're going to need down the line, but you guys don't have to have big right now. And it doesn't and you sound are, like that Boxster's leaving their life. It's not, which is which is cool. So the Boxster is, is there as a reference point, and I understand why that means the Macan is in discussion, because the Macan, as I've said before, is Porsche's hatchback. And it's excellent. Now, the back seats are small, but it is Porsche's hatchback. Macan is If you're going to look at the Macan, though, you have to look at the Mercedes GLA AMG 45. Also really fun. Because it's really fun. The thing about, the, I want to talk through your other choices here. The thing about the wagons you brought up, the Volvo V90, awesome. Tons of space. Totally. Good to drive. Not fun to drive. Good distinction, actually. Yes. It's, it's good to drive. very nice to be in. You'd have a great right, time right. on road trips. But they still have the Cross, boxer. At least yeah. they have the boxer Cross country to cleanse totally. themselves. Cross yes. country or not, you, whatever version of that you got, you would love that as the road trip car. I think you would actually like being in that as a road trip car even more than the Audi All Road or the Buick Tour X. The thing about all three of those wagons you brought up is all of them would be great for what you need it to do as far as taking the family places. But I don't think any of them would be satisfying to drive. In fact, I don't even think any of them would be all that more, much more satisfying than the pilot other than the fact you got lower. Mm. I don't think either any of them you're going to get out and be like, that was a great driving experience. It might have been a nice place to be, which is a different <laughs> right, thing, right. okay? So I'm kind of leaning you toward the small hot hatches with some off-road capability. And you already talked about the Macan. I love that you guys are already considering the GR Corolla because I think that is an excellent possibility here. You're going to get into a world of car seats, but that's okay. (laughs) 
that the, the little hatchbacks can still handle car seats. Okay, what, where it gets hard is when you get into two plus twos, and also you have to figure out how big a car seat with you know rear facing car seat with missiles it is. What if they got that Marizo edition that doesn't have back seats and centered the baby seat in the middle of the back and locked it down with like tie downs in all four does, directions? Does Toyota have and the latch system for the, yeah. for the Marizo? It just sits there in the center of the back. That that way it's you know baby can see that's can look forward and actually see forward. riotously funny. I I do like that. The other one you have to consider here is the Volkswagen Golf R. You can get those mm-hmm. in a myriad of flavors, myriad of years. Whatever your budget is, you can find a Golf R. That starts to blur the line the best between the kind of nicer wagons you pick, like the V90 and the Allroad, and the hot hatch like a GR Corolla is the, the Volkswagen uh, Golf R. But you cannot count out the Mazda 3 Turbo. That is good. That is just a, that's a satisfying car, as is the Golf R. It's a satisfying car to drive, but it also, just like the Golf R, can calm down, which the GR Corolla really can't. I love it, but it really can't. If you want like a long distance road trip car, I would pick the Golf R or the Mazda 3 Turbo over the GR Corolla. True. Because it's going to calm down and be luxurious and nice, but it's still small, hot hat shape. Yeah. So Mazda 3 Turbo or Golf R are probably my lead for you, but there are lots of other good ones in there too. John G. in Seattle, Washington, writes to us with an emergency. He does. And what's funny is the entire time I read this email, I am laughing, John. And what's funny, as I read the email, the title is Help My Daughter Wants a Mom Car. And I thought while reading the email, (laughs) does your daughter know you're writing us? And then at the end, there's a paragraph from your daughter. This is one of my favorite emails ever, I have to admit. I can hear the fight going on in the middle of this email. It's great. About five years ago, John needed a little city car for a daily driver. So he bought an NB Miata in manual. Second gen Miata. Never had one before. It's his everything. (laughs) I love that description. It's It's my everything. Everything. He wanted a manual to teach his kids. And as his older kids started to drive, he treated himself to a 911-996-C4S and then turned the Miata over to him as his first car. Uh He had not intended for that 911 to become his daily, And John's wife had returned to working in the office, so he couldn't take hers. And he found that as wonderful and thrilling as the 911 is, he missed driving his Miata. Now, that's interesting. Hadn't had a sports car before, bought a Miata. It was his everything, his own words. His everything. Buys a 911, which is the car we're all, supposedly, his car enthusiast, all supposed to own and drive and love and never choose anything again. And the more he drove it, the more he thought, you know what I miss? The Miata. I thought the... 911 was the one that completes you. Like it's you supposed to be. Me. Yeah. So he bought a second <laughs> NB Miata, another second gen Miata, and he said, it, it, for, "To him, it's far, by far the best looking of the Miatas." Unfortunately, I do not fit in that one. This is me commenting now, so that's why I've never liked it. But you fit clearly, so it's great. So now he's created a second problem for himself. Oh, <laughs> his youngest, his daughter, is uh, just about to get her learner's permit and is starting to think about cars. And he thought, "Okay, okay." You've got the little car bug. It's one of the other reasons I really love this, John, because I've got the little car bug too. You're like, okay, all right, little cars for you, honey. Let's see. Uh, let's get a, what about a new modern bug? What about a Fiat 500? What about a Mini? But you know what? You know what? You should just, honey, you should just be in the Miata. I could get you in the other Miata. And she said, no. <laughs> she wants a mom car. She wants something bigger, taller, roomier, not a Miata, five, uh, four doors, maybe even a hatchback. He noted that his wife has a 2018 Mazda CX-5. Now think, we got CX-5. This is your standard five-seat CUV next to a Miata. And his daughter has said resoundingly, I want the CUV. And John is baffled. 
his daughter's grandmother drives an older generation of the CX-5. She also likes that. And she explains these are the types of cars she wants. We always don't always get what we want. Rolling Stones come to mind there. You're right, John. And she doesn't want the type of fun cars that John suggests. Now, what I love about this is... How how reversed is this from most of our car guy thinking? And by the way, I know that both John and his wife and his son and daughter are all listening to this podcast now. But anyway, so hello <laughs> to all of you. But this is so fantastically backwards because generally what happens is you have the parents talking to the about-to-drive teenager who wants a small, fun car. And the parent is desperately trying to talk said child into something larger, more like an SUV and more boring. John is on the exact... He, he's, in, he's in opposite world, okay? He's going, honey, can exactly. I offer you a fun car? She's going, no, you cannot, which is fantastic. <laughs> what do you I mean you don't want to go to medical school? What are you talking about? Yeah, anyway, okay. I'm baffled. Well, John says something fun, something interesting that would foster a love for driving. That would that would appeal to her desires, right? <laughs> but not. But no, she, she wants a four-door basic CUV that costs $15,000 or less. Although, if I make a good enough argument, John says, I can go a bit higher. He's giving me a little bit of leash there. Okay. I do have a suggestion that I think you will like, John. I think it'll be a good compromise P- between... PT Cruiser. <laughs> <laughs> no. I haven't said those words in anyway, decades. Yeah, I, was just, I just thought I'd go for that, yeah. John told her if his daughter wants to get him on her side about getting a car instead of just driving one of their cars, they also have a 2014 Suburban that's the, you know, tows their camping trailer and all that stuff. She needs to drop the idea of a boring mom car. (laughs) Honey, you know, you must have something fun. I love this. This is fantastic. Well, see, his wife wants an electric daily. So one idea came up would be to sell his wife's CX-5 to her mother, buy, and his daughter would buy her mother's older CX-5. Grandma's CX-5. Grandma's yeah. CX-5 yeah. goes to the daughter. Yeah. MOF gets, uh, the Minister of Finance gets an electric daily, whatever that is, yep. and then the CX-5 goes to her her mom. Yep, exactly. John is keeping one of the Miatas and the 911. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Okay, four t- snow tires on the 911 means it is winter duty, and he takes it skiing. And John, you and I could be friends, I've concluded. I think that's excellent. <laughs> that's very, very good. And then we have a paragraph from John's daughter. We don't know her name. We don't. We don't. She says, I want a car that I can drive with my friends. I want to sit comfortably and not be in a stick for everyday driving. I also really don't want one of the Miatas. They are the exact opposite of a mom car. Trust me, it's not a term I invented. It's just what what it is. Please convince my dad that he's being unreasonable and not everyone wants to drive one of his stupid Miatas. <laughs> I love that so much. Does this mean Miatas aren't the answer to everything? They aren't the answer. According to John's daughter, they are we have not found the answer. They are not always the answer that is Ooh. this is fantastic john i love that you wrote in i love that you and your daughter both run in and uh we need to solve this but i'm gonna i'm gonna solve this in a, in a way i don't think you expect john and that is uh let's let's unpack the central problem okay okay do it do it yeah. because i actually think your cx5 solve is fantastic. I don't have a better solve than that because speaking as a parent and speaking as an adult, I'm apparently both of those things. When you when you upgrade stuff, I'm of the mind. Call me selfish, but I you know we are the ones that make the money. My wife and I. I am of the mind that you know what if if you need a mountain bike, son, you can have my mountain bike. You're big enough now. 
I'll go get a nice new mountain bike. Exactly. And you can have my mountain bike. Okay? <laughs> I am I am not Parents get the upgrade. Yes, yes parents get Children the upgrade. Children get the hand-me-downs. Yes. Now if your parent is a, you know, a, a, a young rock star or they are uh, you know, making all of the family's money because they just got hired into a sitcom, let's get them the new bike. Okay? <laughs> sure. But we're making the money over here and, I, that, and the bike I've got's nice if somebody's upgrading it's mine. Okay? They're the kid that grew up on YouTube unwrapping the toys, so yes. you're making all the money, man, fine. Oh man, we'll... I, I missed that boat completely. Yeah, anyway, no so I think the CX-5 solve you've got is actually great. Your wife gets a new electric daily. What is that? Is that a bolt? Is it a, a you know, is it a, a Model 3? I mean, you haven't even, you haven't, here's the thing, you haven't given us a budget for that scenario, so I don't know what that is, so I can't really solve that. be the that. electric Macan, naturally. <laughs> of course it will be. But, you know, Bolt, or uh, she could get a Model 3 or a Model Y, or the EV6 is excellent. I mean, there's a lot of stuff. Granted, we're spending a lot more money than you've allotted for your daughter. But I'm also suspecting you're going to spend more money if your wife is getting a new electric daily than you would on your daughter because, terrible side note, and this is not a commentary on your daughter, your son, or any kid driving, there's a really good chance in the first year of driving that the kid's going to ding whatever car they're in. There was a stat in Los Angeles for a while Mm -hmm. that was 50 50 serious wreck, like serious car damage. Not like like person damage, but serious car damage. It was a 50-50 percentage for 16-year-olds in Los Angeles for, for a while. That's in LA. Well, John's in Seattle, so, so big city. What kind of driver is your daughter is part of my question. But the big thing I want to unpack here is what you're dealing with, John, is you have become a serious car enthusiast. Yeah. You have become a guy who really likes small and light and involving. And you have bumped up against your daughter, who is, at the moment, wanting to be a car user. Not an enthusiast. She she would like to have a car. She'd like to have that freedom. Honestly, I'm applauding your daughter that she wants to have a driver's license and would like to have that freedom. Good point, yeah. yeah. But I don't get the sense she's all that excited about cars or really like excited about the involvement of cars. The car is a tool. The car is not... A, an escape or, or the thing that she's excited about. And that's the thing that you've discovered, John, is you just, you drove a 911 and went, you know what I miss? The Miata. That's a good way of articulating it. The car, John, for you and for us, for Todd and I, the car itself is the escape for many people. Mm-hmm. But for new drivers, the car represents escape. It represents yes. the destination to go to. Maybe it's the road trip that you're on, but yeah. it's not the car itself. It's not that. It's what it's enabling you to do, freedom. Mm-hmm. And go on that road trip and adventure and get out with friends and go to a concert and go yeah. do all those fun things. It's not the car itself. We derive the pleasure from, look how great the handling improved after I got the new tires and the new everything. Yeah. And it's just amazing. And it's the car. And that's the escape. Yeah. The freedom is already inherent because we've been driving a long time already. Mm-hmm. That's already a given. Yeah. Well, of course, yeah. I, I understand that. And you have two kids with two different perceptions on driving. And I have a friend of mine who has two boys a year apart. And so they both started driving, obviously, with some overlap. And he was astonished. Now, this is this is a longtime friend of mine. He's not really a car enthusiast. Neither are his boys. But he started with both of his boys driving. And his older boy was kind of like reckless. It was this sense of abandon. It was just like, oh, I'm driving and I got to go, I got to go here and I got to go fast. And my friend was always like, oh, yeah, yeah, well, hang on. Mm. His other son, this is Greg, by the way. Oh, is it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, his, yeah, yeah. his other son was terrified. And of his two boys, he was the one I expected would be a really good driver. But he was terrified because he couldn't get past the reality of the fact that he was piloting this big machine. The weight of it was very apparent to him. 
personal the responsibility. responsibility of it yeah. was very clear. It took him a long time to even decide to get on an LA freeway. Really? Because he was just like, no, we're not I didn't doing know that. that. His older brother was like, uh, day one, let's get on a freeway. I don't care. Let's try those. Whatever. The, the younger brother was like, no, 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 no. Took him really? a long time. Now, he's a perfectly acceptable driver now, and he's settled it. But my, my point is, here's two boys, a year apart, raising the exact same household, and their perception of driving was totally different. Mm-hmm. So, John, I think what you've discovered is that you've discovered fun driving, and I kind of feel like you discovered it late enough that you're just like, everyone should know this, which is kind of how Paul and I feel, okay? <laughs> All the time. And, 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 and you love the MX-5, and you're just like, everybody should have this. But mm, the problem is you're, you're going to put your daughter into something that she isn't comfortable in. And, and I will equate it exactly to the young drivers I've seen here. I remember seeing one girl that terrified me. In the biggest pickup you can you can find because it's yeah. safe. Yeah, yeah. You know, Dad put her in this huge pickup because she's safe, but she looks terrified, it, and it's clear she doesn't want to be in that car. Mm-hmm. Your daughter in a Miata is no different than this girl terrified in a massive pickup. I yeah. think you need to put her into something that she already is comfortable in and likes to be in. And unfortunately for you, John, as a car person, you're like, but it could be more fun. True, but yeah. she wants yeah. the tool. So, so separate it from being a mom car, because you know what? Some moms drive great cars. Some moms drive incredibly fun cars. It doesn't have to be. Mom car is this weird suggestion that it must be a minivan and nothing is ever fun. The automotive equivalent of mom jeans. Yeah, like, yeah exactly. But there are plenty of moms mom who drive jeans. fun cars, okay? Yeah, My wife's yeah. cayenne obsessed, as you can clearly tell. But, but, but you know what? Back, you started a collection. <laughs> you're so but, obsessed. But back to my wife, she likes the Lotus, but in very small doses. And her biggest mm-hmm. problem with the Lotus is, I'm sitting so low. And I'm like, yeah, isn't it awesome? She's like, no, 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 no. I want to sit up high. But the yeah. reason I can't get her into a car mm. for her daily is because she likes to sit up high. Well, the car guy in me is like, can I not bring you to the dark side a little bit? Let's let's get something. No, she's like, no, I need ride height. And and she gets in a she gets in an SUV and then she takes the seat. This baffles me all the way to the top of its travel. I'm like, how high do you need to be? <laughs> Okay, but I have, I've had to kind of die to that, John, because my wife has things that make her comfortable behind the wheel, and I think your daughter is the same. What I'd like to see is, over time, will she be interested in driving for the pleasure of driving? Because I think now all it's about is the freedom, and she yeah. needs a tool for the freedom. That's excellent stuff. And I'm going to wave the white flag and ask for a bit of a truce, John, between you and your daughter for right now over a subject that is about driver upgrade. Mm. We can always improve as drivers. John, as good of a driver as you are, as fearsome as you are behind the wheel of both your cars, we can always learn more. We can Absolutely. always study more. Absolutely. And you've got knowledge to impart. But that doesn't mean your daughter's going to listen to you because you're dead. True. Yeah. You're dead. I'm not going to listen and to he, you for anything. And he wants to drive his stupid Miata, too. Yeah. <laughs> your stupid Miatas. Mm. <laughs> That's so funny. Daughter. I'm wondering if you would be willing to get more of a driver upgrade rather than just steering your way around the planet mm. and not hitting anything. That's not what driving is all about. There, are, I've said this before. There are two different mindset, two different approaches to this thing called driving behind the wheel. Mm-hmm. There's steering, and that means you're distracted. You're talking to friends, the radio, and you're just kind of keeping it between the lines, and you're not think, you're not looking in the rearview mirror. You're not engaged. Oh, I slowed down because I was going up a hill, and now I'm backing up traffic behind me. And 
driving is I'm on it. I'm, mm. I'm thinking about what I'm doing. I'm planning ahead. My eyes are up the track. I'm up the road. I'm actively involved with this task of driving. And you know what? I see people behind me. I'm getting over. I'm letting you by. I'm, you know, very much actively involved. And there, there's a mindset and there's skill and knowledge to be learned mm. by taking a driving course that's past just driver's ed. Because when you get to driver's ed, that's just like, congratulations, you can turn your computer on now. True. It's base, you know, base level, yeah. You're not understanding what can tires do? Have you ever felt an out-of-control car? Have you ever felt the skid pad? What mm, is that feeling mm. like when all four wheels are sliding? The only time you might feel it is when you're sliding towards your first accident. That's the worst type to find out. What if you could get some driver training that says, okay, here's you, you feel that weird feeling, that out-of-control feeling? Here's some techniques you can do to get back in control. Buddy, that's excellent. In fact, you've reminded me of another story I'm going to tell, and it's going to send shivers down both our spines when I do, but I'm going to tell another story here that reminds me directly related to Mazda CX-5s, but speaking to, the, to John and his daughter both again, here's my challenge. You've already kind of set it up, Paul. I'm going to knock it out of the park, and that is you guys need to go together Yes. To a driving experience. Yes. They're, they're all around the country. There's places where they do like driving techniques beyond uh, beyond defensive driving. And they put you in the skid car and they do the whole thing. Mm -hmm. Here's my compromise for both of you. If your daughter wants a CX-5 and not a Miata, then the compromise is she has to do the extra driver training with you and experience out of control. Because here's my mm. cautionary tale, mm. okay? And I'm going to go directly to something that has happened to you and I, okay? okay. So I'm headed there. Okay. But... The pro here's the here's the flip side. Here's the place where I, I have to side with John and not his daughter. Okay. Okay. And I'm sorry, I know I'm I'm raising hackles because you've already said you want something that isn't I'm talking to his daughter now, isn't manual, and you want to be able to take your friends along. You have just told me two ways you're going to be more distracted behind the wheel. True. You don't have to shift and all your friends are in the car. Yeah. So this is why the driver training is important because, and I, look, this is not a slight at new drivers. It's just you put people in a car with you, you are distracted. You now have a driver who has less experience. They are less able to cope with the distraction or the problem when it arises. When you and I were shooting American Original, you know where I'm going now. I was driving the yeah. split window, window 1963 pristine second generation Corvette. Silver, we had a nervous owner with us. This car is worth nervous. about a quarter million, by the way. I'm driving it. I'm in the middle of my interview. I come around a corner, and there are four teenage girls, directly to what we're talking about, four yeah. teenage girls in a Mazda CX-5, and they turned in front of me. Didn't look, because on my right, across the street from them, was a parking lot for a hiking area. And they saw that the one that was on their side of the street was, was full, and then they just turned across in front of me. Didn't look. Mm -hmm. And I slammed on the brakes in this very expensive, very old car with <clears throat> drums, drum brakes. And no safety, anything, no airbag, a no, steel none of that. steering column none of with that. no airbag, nothing. And I slammed on the brakes and the wheels locked up. And I watched, you know, it's that thing that happens when something crazy happens and your brain goes so fast, everything's in slow yeah. motion. I watched the other three heads than the driver all cock my way. Yeah. And I'm, then trying to modulate the brakes to get the car to turn so I don't nail them, like broadside On nail them. vintage skinny tires. Yes. It was a worst case scenario. Watch yeah. American Original because we actually show this. We actually break it down in slow-mo. I missed that SUV by maybe an inch. 
I'm not exaggerating. I, I thought I was exaggerating until I looked at the end car and was like, no, 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 that really should have been an accident. And it was four teenage girls in a Mazda uh, CX-5. And I'm sure having a great day. And I'm thrilled that we were all okay. Okay? Yeah. But I'm just saying distraction is a reality. So if you're going to be you and friends in the car, let's do some driver training so you understand what happens when things go wrong. You understand the focus reality. And then let's get you into something that you feel comfortable driving. And it clearly isn't a stupid Miata. And it shouldn't be (laughs) the largest truck we can find. True. We have CX-5s in the family. We can solve this. All right. Last comment to John and your daughter. And that is phones. Oh, yeah. I implore you to not even pick up your phone at a stoplight. Because I guarantee you, I, I've seen drivers behind me. Their eyes flick up. We're stopped at the light. Their, the, the eyes flick up again, uh-huh. then flick back down to their phone. Like, just just stop. Just You've got the rest <laughs> of your life to look at your phone yeah, true, true, when you're true. not yeah. driving. Uh, okay, yes, you're stopped and fine. Technically speaking, yes, you can check your email or check a text or whatever. But it's really not worth it. I speak to me. I speak to yeah. you. I speak to it's everyone a, listening. It's a, it's a plague. Please and we, we all put do your it. phone down while you're driving. And John's daughter... When you're driving and your friends are in the car, may I ask you to, to, that you are the one making the decisions. Your friends aren't not in charge. Your friends are not driving. If you miss the exit, don't screech past. Don't <laughs> yank the wheel to try to make, miss the exit. Mm-hmm. You're all still alive. Yeah, that's good. That's excellent stuff. Oops, it's going to add five, 10 minutes. We're going to be late to the thing. Okay. Yeah. You're still alive. You're yeah. still with us. You're, please, you are in charge when you're driving. And if they don't like it, Tough. <laughs> well, but my, my parents created this rule when I was when I turned sixteen. I couldn't uh, I couldn't ride with anybody that hadn't been driving for a year, and I couldn't have friends in the car with me for a year. And I remember thinking that was this draconian rule. Yeah. By the way, it's actually the the law in Utah right now. Yeah. But I do remember when I started riding with friends, how much both of us checked out comparatively to driving by ourselves. Mm-hmm. So I, it's a thing. It, it's a reality. It's hard for all of us. On to the cars. John's daughter. Would you consider a Volkswagen GTI with the seven-speed DCT? It's not a tall SUV, but it has decent backseat space. It has room for all your friends, sure, and it's yeah. actually pretty fun to drive. It's a dual clutch. It feels like a ma- or an automatic transmission. Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it yeah. behaves like that, yeah. but it's going to be more sportier. And then if, if you start to feel some fun and you kind of enjoy it. <laughs> Accidentally had fun. My car came to life. I've got the car to do it. I've got the tool to do it. It's low to the ground. And also, my second choice, as much as a Volkswagen Taos, is directly aimed at you, John's daughter. (laughs) (laughs) Leaving Taos right now. How about instead a Honda HRV? That's actually very good. That's a good choice. It's like a Uh taller Civic. It's like Civic, a Honda Civic SUV. It's got. Decent power for what you want to drive the for. The current new platform is a, is a fantastic yes, first car. Take new. that point. John, both of those are my suggestions. Yes, they blow out your budget. Yes, they're brand new, but they have all the latest tech in them. Mm-hmm. So there will no be, be no complaints of, man, I wish you know I could have an upgrade of whatever because sure. of the tech or the safety or whatever. But they're both brand new and they both drive. The, the HRV doesn't drive as well as the GTI, but still. Mm-hmm. One's kind of fun, but they're both four doors. They both take friends, but they, they both have great safety ratings too. Very good. On to questions. I'm going to start with one that isn't car related because I'm baffled by it too. <laughs> RJ writes in on Instagram and says, uh, Todd, is there any practical benefit to Apple releasing Final Cut Pro, their editing program, for the iPad? 
Would you guys ever use it while in the middle of filming? I would never do this. I would never do this. I don't need a touchscreen editing system. Try to get final cut on the touchscreen. I don't need this. I don't need to stand on set and do it. Why do your videos suddenly suck? Well, but, I upgraded, <laughs> actually downgraded to the... But, but here's, here's the thinking. Here's, here's the reality. What you have going on now in a lot of modern... Uh, post-production workflow or on-set workflow. You have a person called the DIT. They are the person in charge of all the data. And the minute you record anything, they are making quadruplicates, essentially, and they are shoving data down multiple pipelines to get to people that need to see footage or whatever. You can get to a situation where you have editors on set. If you watch behind the scenes of how Jim Cameron does his Avatar movies, they are roughing in backgrounds in real time Okay, mm-hmm. and so what what this creates on the on the the iPad is if you have an iPad and you have Final Cut Pro, then theoretically, you can be getting data from right there on set, and pe- everybody can be playing. Now the problem is everybody can be playing, but <laughs> right. from from the way we work, look, I take a, I take a laptop with me that's fairly heavy duty, and I have Final Cut on that. We all do, and so I don't I don't need to confuse my production with my post. And when I get into post, yeah, I yeah. want to have a decent computer that I can go fast with. I want to have the actual tactile interaction. We talk about haptic buttons in cars being frustrating. I don't want an iPad and try to like push my finger into the thing and make this slide. I don't want to do that. And of course, you could now add attachments to your iPad so you have your mouse and stuff again. But now why aren't you on a computer? I don't see any use for it, but I kind of understand why they made it exist. Haptic disaster is your terminology for that. Whenever yes, it we is. encounter it is haptics, haptic disaster. I don't think you even give it a fair shot anymore. It's, if it's haptics, it's a disaster. It's just stop, <laughs> stop. You know what worked well? Buttons, buttons. <laughs> the weirdest thing. Retro Skippy on Instagram has an interesting idea, an out-of-the-box theory to make EVs more engaging. What do we think about two accelerator pedals? I saw this. What? One for the left and one for the right wheels. So tank treads, essentially. Tank turning. Accelerator pedals. Where's the brake? Right in the middle or on either side? So you it's, know, it's four? You know, it's liftoff. It's liftoff. Remember? Liftoff acceleration. I suppose, this is but the EV world. You that just means lift it off also both accelerators. Bra- but you can't control the brake unless you have a little clip and you pull your toe under it like bike old the old bike clip yeah, I see where pedals you're at. Yeah, I see to where pull you're at. up with your foot to actually brake. <laughs> <laughs> because what if you need to brake harder than the car harder will allow you? Yeah, I see what you're saying. Well, but no, but see, uh, but all the cars are autonomous, see, so they're going to brake on their own anyway. Right. It's going to be fine. No, honestly, I, I, while I think this is fantastic, I do think <laughs> it's hysterically funny, Retro Skippy. I love the... Here's the thing. I would like to try that. Personally, would love to try that. Tank driving? But because, see... Because now, here's the other thing. It also is replacing the steering wheel. You literally can drive the car entirely by which foot goes down. This is totally tank thinking. This is tank thinking, but tanks have solved this for like 50 or 70 years or probably 100 years now. What what I'm terrified by is can you imagine the learning curve trying to get people to learn to drive like that with an accelerator pedal for each side of the car? That is, talk about a disaster. I mean, see, I have to apply motorcycle thinking here, Retroscopy, because bikes teach you one half of your body does all the shifting. Your left hand does the clutch yeah. and your left foot yeah, yeah. does the, uh, sure. the shifting. And then the right half of your, your body does all the acceleration and braking. Uh-huh. So you can divide it very easily. Left is all the shifting. <laughs> right yeah. is all the, the, yeah, yeah. the go fast or slow down fast. Yeah, yeah. And you, you teach your brain to operate like this. Now you've got both halves, uh, all, all your brain, <laughs> everything's going to accelerate. I mean, just imagine the YouTube videos doing this, but... I, 
I like the toe hooks idea as well. You so got to have like the toe, the toe hooks, hooks to like lift up on yep. both. Yep, I like it. Mm. But then it could be like aircraft pedals because you can steer with your feet. The rudder steers exactly. with your feet, but at of the top too. of the, the pedals are your brakes. Uh-huh. I thought of that so too. So it could yep. be like that as yep. well. You wouldn't have to lift up. So, you know, we could introduce aircraft Aircraft pedals. This is going to be cars. a disaster. It's a anyway, disaster. It's fantastic. I really want to try it, it's but it's a complete disaster. To think about, but yeah. yeah. Chris April's asking a question. I feel like we've talked about it before, but I want to touch on it real quick. He says, uh, "Why are why are EVs that aren't all wheel drive rear wheel drive instead of front wheel drive?" Oh, well, here, yeah. here's the reality, Chris. There isn't a car maker on the planet who would tell you with a straight face that having two of four wheels do everything the car is doing is a great idea. Every single person that makes a front-wheel drive car will tell you it would be better if these two wheels just steered and these two wheels over here just did acceleration. Mm-hmm. That is a better way to balance it out. you got more contact patch to work with. It would be much better if we could split the, split the duties. But with your average internal combustion car, it is cheaper to make the engine up front, which is where we figured out how to do cooling the best because engines in the rear, like the Lotus or whatever, they have trouble with cooling. Mm-hmm. Engine mm-hmm. up front for all the cooling, and right below that engine, they've got the front wheels. That means we don't have to, do, to spend money to run the, the drive down the car. We don't have to do any of that. It's cheaper. So you end up with front-wheel drive cars. But now we have EVs where the motor can be put anywhere. You can put it in the hub of the wheel if you want. You, can put, you want to put it in the back? You want to put it in the side? I don't care where you want to put it. Oh, you want to put it in the back? Let's put it in the back. So now we can split the duties again and make it, things work better like they should. So you end up with rear-wheel drive EVs where the front wheels get to just steer. Matt Garrett 82 has a design question and an uncommon thought. If your sports car needs wheels larger than 18s to look good, your car is too big to be a sports car. Back to Miatas. Okay. I do not agree because we're talking about looks. Mm, 18s mm. if you want to be on track. 18s are pretty much the ideal size these days to be on track with the right amount of tire and it clears your brakes. You can still fit big brakes under there. 18s, maybe 19s. 20s are a little bit big for the track. I I agree. But it's all about proportion. And Mm. you see it in design sketches. Designers put the equivalent of like, 28s or 30s on their sketches. Yeah, yeah. And the greenhouse, the actual place where people set the packaging, it's tiny, but the proportions look good. So when you see a car with 20s, 23s, they the proportion actually makes the car look really good, but as far as performance and like I said, if you want to be on track, 18s are really kind of the sweet spot. Every time you go to the track, unless you're driving a Miata, <laughs> <laughs> Everybody talks about, okay, 17s, 18s, somewhere in there. That's really what you kind of want for, for track use, for track duty. But then for looks, that's a different story. I like 20s, even 21s on sports cars. I mean, the Cayman, my GTS, has 20s on it. I think it looks tight. It looks proportionally <laughs> correct. It makes the car look small, mm. even though it really kind of is already. But yeah, yeah, it, it helps though. That proportion looks really nice because I don't want to see any tire at all. I just want to see <laughs> wheel design. <laughs> You're listening to designer thinking. Yeah. Here, I love it. It's great. It's great. Muhammad on Instagram saw our photo today, which is a gorgeous orange color on an LC500 that we just had that was really spectacular looking. I have to say it is the only time in Lexus design history that the spindle alien maw grill has worked. It works on that it car. Works I don't like, like it on any other car. That car yeah. looks gorgeous and I yeah. do think it's spectacular. He said, hang on, is the LC500, which which we brought up in our uh, commentary and in your post today, you brought up the fact that I really think that the car that your typical never bought a sports car before Corvette buyer is wanting to buy is the LC500. 
The car mm-hmm. he they kind of think they're getting is the LC500. But Muhammad's asking, wait a minute, he has read that the comfort of the C7 Corvette exceeds the LC500. Is this possible? Now, Muhammad, here's the, the trick. I'm not going to talk about seats, okay? Because everybody's seats are personal. And mm-hmm, so there mm-hmm. is, there's a question about what's more comfortable in which seats do you like better? And I can't answer that. That'd be a personal thing. I, I don't think that the LC500 uh, seats are amazing. I think they're okay. I think some of the C7 Corvette seats are excellent, but that's me talking, mm-hmm, okay? Mm-hmm. But the LC500 is very heavy, okay? It's about a 1,000 pounds heavier than the C7 Corvette, which means it has a very grounded feel, but it also means there's a lot more body weight to deal with if there are bumps. The other thing the LC500 doesn't have going for it is magnetic ride. If you have a C7 with magnetic ride, that is one of the most transformative suspensions you can find on any car. We have it on our C8. It's Mm -hmm. amazing what that does, even all the way up to their big GM trucks, okay? The fact that you can dial that into an amazingly comfortable tour mode makes that an incredible car for any kind of roadway, but also you can dial it the other way and make it super stiff. The LC500 is getting by with one suspension setting, essentially, comparatively to the magnetic ride. It doesn't have nearly the adjustability. And so it, it I think it could be argued depending upon the road. However, I think the average person driving cross-country in either car would find both of them fantastically comfortable. Yeah, that's exactly what it's for. Johnny Jen on Facebook, hopefully you saw, you heard that because Johnny asks how it compares to the Jaguar F-Type. And who's this car even for? Well, you heard us talking about potential Corvette buyers, but he's thinking about big 8 Series or Mercedes-Benz S-Class Coupe type cars. Big, expensive, useless two-seaters that don't handle like sports cars. I mean, they're not even GT cars, but yeah. that Jaguar F-Type is probably going to be a little bit more nimble it would be. and a lot lighter, a lot it more be, yeah. light. The LC500 weighs more than 4,000 pounds. It's like a 4,500-pound car. It's, it's unbelievably heavy. It's in between. It's that gradual step. It's not f- at the full high-end S-Class coupe true, crazy true. Yeah, yeah. You know, you don't need, you decide you don't need the four-door, but you still want a gigantic car. (laughs) It's still that huge, heavy sedan kind of thinking, but just two doors on it. So it's, it's a very niche kind of a buyer for that. I think there's more buyers for the LC 500, like a Corvette buyer. Like, you know what? I'm just going to be cruising in this. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to be doing track days. I just want to do cross country. The kids have graduated college. They're out of our life. We're driving this to see the kids or something, or you're taking this to Palm Springs or you know what I mean? Or we're going to Florida. We're bombing to Florida. Let's do that. <laughs> do you remember the very first, it was actually the very first Lexus. It was really great looking. The very first SC, the one that had the super engine. There was a, oh, yes. There yes, was an yes. advertisement for that old commercial. I have to find it where it was one of those driving through autumn leaves and the tagline was spin the kids college fund. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, well, there you go. I Except see that it. had the 2JZ engine in it without the turbo, didn't yeah, it? Yeah, it did. Yeah. That's six. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's like now all the kids want that engine. Yes. And the parents have it in their giant Lexus. They haven't kept it, but yes, coupe. true. Bitter Car Guy writes it on Instagram, says his friend is shopping for a Chevy Camaro ZL1, but the cheapest he can find is $10,000 markup on it. He's refusing to pay that much in dealer markups. But Bitter Car Guy, who I would think would be on the other side of this equation, said his argument is it's the last year of production for the Camaro. He should buy it anyway. Is he wrong? Okay. I'm going to step on rakes and landmines here real quick because we have raged against markups and we just bought a couple-year-old C8 for essentially its original MSRP. So you could argue, why didn't that come down in in the aftermarket? Shouldn't we have paid less than the original MSRP? And yes, in a perfect world, we should have. 
we went ahead and bought that one at essentially its MSRP two years later because from a business perspective, we needed that car right now. So that was the thing. Does your friend have flexibility? Does he need to buy right now? Now, the problem is with the Chevy Camaro going away, dealers are going to charge markup because if, if you want it, I've got it. It's about to be gone. Is your friend willing to gamble that when they are all gone, are they going to go up further, which is what's happened to the C8? The C8 is still so much in demand that the used ones are more than new ones in some cases, which is crazy. The biggest thing here is this. Why the Chevy Camaro ZL1 and nothing else? And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with it. It's a great car. But why is that the choice? Is it just because it's going away? And if it's going away, then you may need to just bite the bullet and do it. Okay? But the ones here's what I think is going to happen with those cars. They're going to sell above markup. And then for the first two years they're not being made, they're going to sell above markup. And then they're going to split. And the ones that nobody ever <laughs> drove are going to stay high. And the ones that anybody ever drove are going <laughs> right. to drop. And 20 years from now... I was going to say, 30 years passes. One wrapped in plastic is going to be worth more than it was ever possible, and you still can't drive that one. I say buy a year-old one right now, because I think that's also a car that a lot of people buy, and they don't drive it much, and they get rid of it after a year or so. Why buy a brand-new Camaro ZL1? Buy a one-year-old one, because there I don't think go. there's going to be markups on that. You could probably get a, find a deal on somebody that had one. Is like, yeah, I don't know about this car buy that one and hang on to it for a while. And then I'm sure it'll lose value, but not going to lose a ton. Please don't buy one at dealer markup and wrap it in plastic. We appreciate all your questions. Send us your topic Tuesdays, your car conclusions, and most of all your car debates to everydaydrivertv at gmail.com. And we are always, always looking forward to next time. Cheers, everyone. <laughs>